All right, guys, welcome to episode 75 of the Different Animals Podcast. It's your boy, Tyler. And I'm Ever Castro. This week, we talk about Dune. We talk about The Last Duel. We talk about the absolute dog shit Mission Impossible 2 and the <laughs> redemption that is Mission Impossible 3. Um, and then lastly, um, we touch on uh, the new the new Uncharted trailer that dropped mm-hmm. um, and, you know, what that kind of says about how video games may be looking in the future versus how they looked in the past. Yep. Uh, but first. As usual, let's start with what we've been watching. Mm-hmm. And this time, we both watched two movies. I think this is oh, the nice. first time I've ever equaled you and, and things <laughs> watched. Uh-huh. Um, and so I, I see that they're the same one. Um, do you want me to do me and then your two and then my last one? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so the first one I saw was the big release of the weekend, which was Dune. Um, the big adaptation uh, of the, I think it's like 1960-something, 1964, uh, Frank Herbert book. Then um, the adaptation is by uh, De- uh, Denis Villeneuve, and he did uh, Blade Runner 2049, uh, Arrival, um, which other ones? Uh, Prisoners, which I, I really liked. Um, he did one more. Oh, Sicario. And then a okay. couple other ones. Um, and, um, so yeah, so this was another Warner Brothers one, so it was, you know, in theaters, released in theaters, and then also on HBO Max, um, and I saw it in theaters, I went this past Sunday, um, and just for, you know, basic overall, uh, impressions, I thought it was really good, I really, okay. really liked it, um, have you, had you, like, do you have any interest in seeing it, have you thought about seeing it, maybe on HBO Max, or maybe in theaters? Yeah, I might watch it in HBO Max, I, I mean, I, I don't really have any interest yeah, I don't. I don't really have any interest other than like I know it's supposed to be good, so like I mm-hmm. kind of want to watch it. But like, if I had somehow insulated myself from all like talk of it, I would have no interest. Like ba- just based on the trailer, mm-hmm. like nothing. It doesn't really speak to me in any mm-hmm. real sort of way. Yeah, I I, I think um, I, I definitely think it it's hard to I don't know get ex- describe or explain or get into because when I when I like going into it I sort of knew about the book, like, very, like, top-level surface stuff about, like, you know, what it was about, like, about, like, uh, like a desert planet and had this, like, thing called a spice, but it's, like, it's, like, a drug, but then also, like, a fuel thing. And so I was very, like, just basically, just through osmosis, I knew of it. I hadn't read the books. I hadn't seen the the first adaptation attempt. Um, And I should say that, you know, they've been trying to make this one for, for, or remake it for forever, or, like, adapt it again, um, because the book, for the longest time, was called Unfilmable. Because just because of how you know, it doesn't really follow a, a particular act structure. It doesn't really have like typical heroes and gotcha. the names are weird and there's like houses and religions and stuff. But I think I, I think something like Game of Thrones has really conditioned the general American public to more openly accept something like House Atreides, right, or House right. Harkonnen. Um, but um, I would definitely say if you're somebody who 
you know, only goes to the movies, you know, two or three times a year. I think this is absolutely one you should see in theaters. Um, okay. I think there is stuff in here, especially before they get to the desert planet. Because, I mean, even when they get to the desert planet, but before that, there are these, like, spaceships and designs and shots that I was like, like it, it, my mind was just like, that is something I have never seen before. Or if I've seen it, I've seen it only, or I've only read it, or I've only like seen it drawn in animation, just because of how fucking massive some of the stuff is. Um, mm-hmm. In the back half, it become you know they they are in the desert, so it's sort of, you know, it, there's not as much A little stuff more like bland, you know, probably. Yeah, the yeah. There's not like you know, I mean, there's still some am- amazing sequences, especially one where with like. Um, this um i don't know if it's an invasion or it's like a tax sequence that is fucking amazing um especially with the sound the the sound system that they use um i will say um one of my favorite sequences i mean the whole design the the sound the the score is awesome it's Hans zimmer doing awesome shit and but just the sound design is really cool because there's this power that you know timothy chalamet has and and like the ones of his kind um which is this kind of like, um, they only call it the voice. They don't really describe what it is, but it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like the Jedi mind force. And it okay. would not surprise me if George Lucas ripped it off of this, <laughs> where um, he would say something like, 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 give me the cup. And But when he says it, dude, it is like this weird, like, voiceover sound. So he'll be like, you'll see his mouth go, like, mouth, like, and then you'll right. just you know, give me the cup, like in the oh, sound system. Yeah, it like shakes you your soul. I was like, holy shit, that was awesome. And so I think you know, to get the best sound, to get the best uh, visual look, you ha- I think you absolutely have to see it in theaters. Okay. Um, and there was a tweet this week that was like, I can't believe Dune cost like thirty five million dollars less than Black Widow because you, if you watch Black Widow, you're like, that looks like a, just like a generic, not generic, but like you know, it just looks like a Marvel action movie. And this looks right. like it just costs like. A billion dollars. It's weird because I think all the Marvel movies look like they cost a lot, mm-hmm. but then because you just filter it in under like the Marvel movies folder, it's mm-hmm. just like a dime a dozen, and it's kind of lost on you. Yeah, if that makes sense. Like, right? This, yeah, this, yeah. You would never look at any Marvel movie and be like, "This is a cheap one." You know what I mean? No, Other yeah. than like yes. the first couple. Exactly. Um, yeah, because you watch Black Widow and you're like, "Wow, these action sequences!" Like, or the, the did you ever watch Black Widow? You watched it, right? I never did. No, you never I did? never, oh, I never th- got to watching it. So there's a sequence at the end where they're like in this, uh, like floating headquarters of the bad guy or uh, what is it fortress I guess, and it looks great, right? And then they're like flying mm-hmm. through the air and it's like, whoa, this looks really good. But like you said, it's like it's just like par for the course with them, right? Um, but then you see them, you see something like this, and you're like, holy shit! Like this looks expensive. Like every dollar's on the scene, and it's the same. It's the same feeling that I had with the movie I'm going to talk about later, where yeah. you know you look up these budgets and you're just like. Wait, so you're telling me, like, Black Widow costs more than this? Like, how? How is that possible? This looks insanely expensive. You know, everything looks... Like, all of the suits that they're wearing look, in, like, incredibly detailed, right? Mm-hmm. The CGI looks crazy. The sets look crazy. The makeup looks crazy. Um, it's just, like... I I, I, I think... Um, you know, I, I think if you... Want to see in theaters? If you have any inkling of being like, you know, I'll check it out. Definitely check it out in theaters. Um, if you're not interested, I say check it out at home. Because um, I do think it, it, it yeah. is worth watching. It, it looks great. It, it felt 
different. I don't know if, if that makes any sense watching yeah. it. Where I was like, this feels like it's it's moving at its own pace. It feels at the same time very like artsy, like sort of like um, art house, like you know feelings film, but then also like very convention on a fucking hundred fifty million dollar budget. Um, but uh, but yeah, I would say yeah, if 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 you're interested at all in and dude, like fucking everybody is in this, so. Like yeah, Josh Brolin, Oscar Isaac, Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Zendaya, and then so like uh, like a bunch of like side characters are awesome people as well. Um, and so then he's like, "We have the the leader of the desert people here, sir," and he, he and he's like, "All right, bring him in." And then I'm like, "Who is this? Who am I missing? Who am I forgetting? <laughs> Who am I forgetting that isn't in this movie already?" And then he walks in, and it's fucking Javier Bardem, and I'm like. <laughs> And he was like, everybody's in this movie. And I was like, I know. <laughs> Even Javier Bardem, like, Javier Bardem is fucking everybody. The Polka Dot Man, I know he's not a big actor, but he's awesome anytime he shows up in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it um, It's really... Uh, oh, oh, Jason Momoa, Dave Bautista. Like, dude, everybody's in this movie. And um, yeah, so if like, you like any of those actors, I say check it out. And, and it's it's like, like, it's very heady sci-fi stuff, right? Okay. Like in the first ten minutes, or that first like three, two or three minutes, and Dai is giving like a voiceover to sort of set up the world, like exposition dump, and she'll be like, "I'm the f- part of the Fremen from the planet Arcades, and they came here for the spice and the Harkin and Tucket, but then one day, by imperial decree, they were gone, and House Atreides is coming, and it's like, okay, all right, okay." <laughs> and I, I was like, I, you know, I, I didn't lean over, but I wanted to lean over to Sydney and be like, "I'm so sorry, this is really big nerd shit." <laughs> Um, nerd shit, nerd shit. Yeah, but I was saying, you know, if you like that kind of like heavy, like Game of Thrones meets sci-fi, like this is it. And uh, one very, very last thing I'll say about it is that you might be watching it and be like, I've seen this before. Like this is very derivative of something, but it's mm-hmm. only because the things that it that you feel like it's taking from took from this. Right. This is like everything came comes from this. Like if you're like, wow, this sounds like Avatar. Avatar took from this. Wow, this sounds like Star Wars. The, Star Wars took from this. Mm-hmm. Right. Just because it's uh, such a seminal uh, like piece of sci-fi, like I like I just said, uh, what was the other thing I said just now? Uh, Game of Thrones. Game. Of, there's no way Game of Thrones is inspired by this, with like the houses and the betrayal right. and, the, and, the, and the machinations and stuff. So, if you're watching, you're like, wow, this is kind of like I've already seen this. It's like, well, it's only because the other thing saw it first, right? You, first. you saw those before you read this thing, yeah, exactly. Basically, exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I might. I might go see it in theaters. I didn't really have any interest in it, but like you said, if if it's a movie, if you only go to the movies two or three times a year, you would suggest this one. Absolutely, absolutely. So, More than something like even Shang Chi and Black Widow. You know, I I right. like those two movies. I like Shang Chi a little bit better, but you know, it's not one of those where I'm like you you. There's stuff you see you've never seen before, kind of stuff, right? Right. Which I definitely can say in this. Um, I'm trying to think of another movie this year that came out that that I would feel the same way. And I really can't. Even something like you know, like F9, you can totally watch it at home. The Suicide Squad, you can totally watch it at home. This is one where I'm like, you have to... Uh, yeah, maybe No Time to Die, but only because of a few action sequences. But even then, I'm like, eh, you know, it's a James Bond movie. But this is one where I'm like, even though what I'm describing that you have to see on screen isn't the action, it's just the way everything just looks. It just looks huge. Right. Um, and also, I, I, it's not slow. Because I, I, I never was sleepy. I never took my watch. But it is deliberate. And because of that, it's definitely a movie you definitely want to be at home because then I would absolutely, if I was watching it at home, I would absolutely be like, well, you know, 
let me check what's uh, going on Twitter right now. They're just you know, going <laughs> right. through the desert right now. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I think uh, it's not slow. It's not boring. But I think its deliberateness does make it tempt, you know, makes does tempt you to want to check your phone. So, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Dune, uh, definitely yes. a super popular movie out right now. And, uh, mm-hmm. what would you, I mean, five stars give it? Um, I put four and a half. I said four and a half. Okay. Solid. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, the two things I watched um, are a sequel and its sequel, mm-hmm. which is to say, I watched Mission Impossible 2. Um, so I'm trying to think here. So Mission Impossible, first of all, these are on Paramount as I've been watching these mm-hmm. and I have Paramount plus because I subscribed to it to watch a football game on Sunday for the free trial and mm-hmm. I forgot to cancel it. So <laughs> I now have Paramount plus and I'm like, I watched that one. I watched the first one on the plane and then I was like. Time to make use of the subscription. Like, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to knock all these motherfuckers out in a month. Let's go. Um, so, I've been binge-watching uh, Mission Impossible movies. Uh, but I watched Mission Impossible 2. And, boy, that movie was just kind of actual a fucking turd. Like, that shit was <laughs> not good. Really at all. Like, man... So let's, let's put it this way, right? So I saw the first one on the plane. Yeah. And I think the first one's great. It's got, like, enough twists and turns, and there's enough, like, it's like a heist movie mixed with a thriller. You know what I mean? Like, it's it, it's just nailing it, I think. Mm-hmm. And so I go to watch the second one. I'm at home, and, like, I'm telling Kaylin, I'm like, come watch this with me, and then we can watch all of them. And she's like, okay. And I'm like, here's the basics of what happened in the first one. Because I, I don't know that any of these are going to transfer over like i don't know if john voight's character is going to come back at some point but like mm-hmm. here's a general breakdown of like he was he was a good guy then he was a bad guy and like you know some people showed up on the team and blah 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 um so just a very generic breakdown um and she was like okay and so we watched the second one and before i even get to into the second one by the end of the, when the second one ends she says I thought you told me these movies were good. And I was yes. like, I was like, eh. I was like, well, ever did tell me this was the worst one. So yes. <laughs> she legitimately was like, I thought you told me these movies were good. And I was like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're right. Said... This thing's a turd sandwich. Yeah. When I, when I, I think what I was telling you, I think like last week or the week before I was like, look, <laughs> this one's not going to be good. Just please, please wait it out. You know, it's yeah. just like, you know, I'm not, you know, and it's kind of like the same. I'm like, you know, give it a couple episodes. I know that <laughs> the, the couple episodes are like bad, but I'm like, trust me. Like, you just, well, also, like, you know, you could have skipped it, but I know you're a completionist. So I was like, I know you're not going to skip it, but it's just so going to be you just got to push through it. But like, I promise they are it's going to be worth it. Yes. On the other half, on the other end, you're going to come out like, you're going to be like the guy from Shawshank Redemption. You're going to crawl <laughs> the river of shit. You're going to come out clean on the other side. Um, but yeah, I mean, even right, from the first. So, like, so all right. So here's the deal. The very, the very, it opens. They're like, here's this master thief. You, she has to be a part of the team, and they don't explain why, right? And mm-hmm. so he's like testing the master thief for like ten minutes, right? Like he's he's like, she's trying to steal this thing, and he's like, all of a sudden, like some stranger that showed up, and like you know, he helps her steal it, but then he makes her give it back, and he's just like, I have a mission for you, whatever, run right mm-hmm. Bro, within that 10 minutes, 
he has fucked her already. And I'm like, what is happening? Like, <laughs> he has had sex with this woman like 10 minutes after meeting her. And I'm like, this is like a random person you have to bring for this mission. And look, I understand. You know what? Here's the deal. I actually, I haven't watched enough James Bond movies to understand like how a Bond girl works in relation to Bond. But like, I just feel like if you're like a secret agent, right? The last thing you want to do is get yourself tangled in the first random person you have to use in your mission. Like, like why have you done this? I mean, instantly. Like, also, it does not work. They have no chemistry. Like, and I'm just like, why is yeah? Why did yeah, him all and, of this happen? Yeah, him and Tandy Newton. It's just like nothing. And even like even from the start, like even like the the scene where he's climbing the thing, right? He's climbing the the wall, the rock. He's like, shush, shush. And oh he, yeah, like, yeah. Gets a message in the glasses, and then he throws the glasses. Right then, just you just know you're like, this is different. I don't like this. What is going on? Like, yeah, I was sit- I literally was like, this is weird. Like, and then and then yeah, the, the helicopter shoots a thing that has glasses in it. Like, what the fuck yes. is happening? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just. <sighs> And then the, the oh the motorcycle thing where they're like fighting on the motorcycles and like bro you know, they, they jump they just, like, off duh. the motorcycles at each other and hit each other in midair and I'm like what was the point because here's the deal they also don't throw a punch or do a thing they literally jump off with the intention just of like, we'll just we'll just collide into each other yeah like, just, what the uh, fuck? I, I can see it it's kind of like uh, when Morpheus and Neo jump and they just like smack in the air it's like that yeah. it's like um and um so interesting a uh, fun fact about this one is that. The guy who plays the bad guy, I think it's like Douglas, Doug, okay. Doug Ray, something like that. He was actually cast as Wolverine, and he had to drop out of X-Men 1 because of this movie. So if he doesn't do this movie, Oof. Hugh Jackman doesn't get cast as Wolverine, Oof. and we don't have, like, that. Maybe he might be good. Maybe he might have been good. But he, we, would not have, we would not have, like, pretty much, like, what do you say, like a top three casting? Probably, like, Robert Downey Jr., yeah. Chris Evans, and him in terms of perfect casting. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, so... Um, so there's that, and then, uh, the other thing is, like, so, I saw, this is gonna sound, I don't know if this is gonna sound like I'm making it up, but I'm being dead serious. So, like, I wasn't paying attention in the opening credits very much. Like, I think, there's, like, a title sequence, and I just kind Mm -hmm. of, like, looking down or talking to Kaylin or something, but I specifically remember, out of the corner of my eye, just seeing John Woo's name. Before you Mm -hmm. tell me anything... I did not see in what capacity John Woo was, uh, I did not know, yeah, involved. I just saw his name, and I was like, oh, maybe he's like a producer or some shit, right? Mm -hmm. I sent you, I'm going to need you to go look at this. I sent you a Uh, link just now. Uh This scene happened, and I was like, what the fuck is this? And then immediately, I was like, I was like, I know why this happened. Just tell me. The dove, and he like as he fucking very like menacingly walks past an open burning door, like one singular. This is an underground bunker. One singular dove through the door, and I was like, "That's that John Woo shit." And (laughs) and and then Uh I like literally two days ago, I was like, "Who directed the second one?" Just so I can shit on them, and it's fucking John Woo. John Woo was the director. Like, and so then the other thing that made sense to me was that like the f- again like the first movie is like this like 
I keep using heist, and it's it's not, I guess, really a heist movie. But, like, I mean, I guess it kind of turns into one, right? But, like, it has the same elements of the heist movie, which is that, like, yeah. even when we're not trying to steal a thing, we're like, all right, you're going to walk through this door. Like, you're going to walk through this door and get this guy's attention. I'm going to yeah. get past him because you're distracting him, and then I'm going to go do this thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's got... Yeah. The same, like, planning stage, and it revolves around the same, like we talked about before. It was like, your heist has to fuck up. Like, yeah. something has to go wrong, or else this shit's boring. Yeah. And it definitely has, I think, not just this one, but I think it, it, it it's not a spoiler to say that later on, they have those similar aspects of, like, getting the team together. Everybody's got, like, a, a part of the team. Right. Already. Like, this guy's hacking, and this guy's, like, she's, like, jujitsu, and this guy's, like, the, the, the femme fatale who, like, you know, attracts the, the bad guy with her looks. And, and, I mean, not, like, heavy, but, right, but it's just right. enough that, that you have, like, those sensations of the best parts of a heist. Right, and I think that works perfectly i think mm-hmm. like i think that's part of one of the things i loved about the first one and i think all of that is basically gone in the second one like there's a yeah. little bit of it but it's like you have to get a team together right yeah and it's like the only thing is it has to be what's her name what'd you say her name was uh tandy newton tandy newton like it has to be tandy newton you get like 30 to 45 minutes about that and then mm-hmm. like the other two guys is obviously one of them's fucking luther right because mm-hmm. he's clearly going to be, like, a popular recurring character. And then the second one is just some fucking random guy they don't even talk about. Like, I have no idea what the second guy's, like, why he's there other than, like, I guess he flies. Like, that's that's all I've got. Like, and they don't even talk about it. He just is flying at one point. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, what the fuck? And then the thing is, is so 2 loses all of that. And the ending of 2 is filmed like a martial arts movie and again i was like what the fuck is this until two days ago and i was like that's that john woo shit like mm-hmm. like what why did they hire this man to direct it like, it's like it, it makes no sense and, and i think it's one of the few missteps in the series woo. um you, you what did you say you oh the heist and i think this leads perfectly into number three because mm-hmm. there's a couple of sequences in mission possible three that are pretty much heisty slash breaking out people out of like buildings like off the top of my head i haven't seen this movie since i was in seventh grade but off the top of my head i can remember uh saving carrie russell the vatican uh getting the rabbit's foot from that building with a jump um i think that's it those are the only ones i can think of that are like quote like you could say like this is like a heist like this guy has to do this so that that guy can do that um, and it's oh, so good. Um, it's so I, good. Yo, all right. So Mission Impossible, all right. Mission Impossible yeah. Two, absolute fucking turn of a movie. Right. Uh, yes. I'm but legitimately three? giving it like a one and a half. Like it's <laughs> it's bad. There's so much terrible dialogue too. Like I don't know if they got John Woo to write that shit too. Like yeah. She. Uh, this is this killed me. Like Kalen literally like laughed and then side eyed me and I was like things are not going well like in re- in regards to getting her to watch the movie because Danny uh, News said something like what are you gonna do spank me and like uh, she turns Kalen laughs and like looks at me stares a hole into the side of my face and I was like she's not enjoying it because neither am I uh, <laughs> and, like, and, and so and dude it is so bad that okay so you know when Tom Cruise. Like, when he was, like, pretty much, like, people were, like, no, nah, we're not fucking with him anymore. Like, he was, like, yeah. on Grada in Hollywood for, like, like I would say, like, four or five years, right? Because of, like, right. the jumping on the couch and the Katie Holmes shit. Remember that? Yeah, my man was out of control for a minute. Yeah. It's so, weird, though. They, that, that's all just, like, fucking, like, water under the bridge now. But go ahead. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because he just kind of, well, okay, so two things. One, 
So the gap between three, losing his mind, and then making four was five years. Okay. That's him losing his fucking mind. Five years. (laughs) The gap between two and three is six years. So the movie was so bad that nobody wanted to fuck with it more than they did when he lost his mind and he was like jumping on the couches. <laughs> right. So so he was like, they were like, Tom Cruise has lost his mind. Like, give it five years to see if it blows over. I mean, it's on yeah. Oprah jumping to the couches. Like, it, this Scientology shit is blowing up. Like, I, we got to just fucking lay low. Bro, movie two happened. They were like. We can't touch this franchise forever. Like, yeah. like five years is not long enough. Because <laughs> the thing is, is it, since it was a three in every other one, and obviously just because the first one was so popular, there had it had to be getting pitched, right? Like mm-hmm. people were like, "Do you want to make Mission Impossible 3? And everyone was like, "No, <laughs> of course not. Why would I want to touch that? Mm-hmm. Did you see Mission Impossible two? Of course not." <laughs> The only motherfucker that wanted to make Mission Impossible 3 was John Woo again. Um, yeah, so... Oh God, 2 is terrible. Anyways, 3. 3 it's... is fucking... I don't, I don't know if this is where we rank this one in all the movies, but 3 mm-hmm. was fucking chef's kiss. Like, that shit was... Mm. Philip Seymour Hoffman is just fucking killing it in this movie. Um, I texted you earlier, like... The scene where they first capture Philip Seymour Hoffman and, like, Ethan Hunt's... Yeah, and Ethan Hunt's mm-hmm. losing his shit, like, trying to interrogate him. The, you got a girlfriend? Why? Yeah, he's like... He, he's, he says something. He's like, look, the rabbits... Or he says, what I'm selling and who I'm selling it to is the last thing you need to worry about. And he starts <clears throat> talking more shit. And he goes, like... He's like, because, see, now I'm going to have to find your wife, your girlfriend. He's like, I'm going to have to torture her. I'm going to have to kill her in front of you. Like, and I was like, oh my God. And it's like the convincingness with which he seems like he legitimately does not give a fuck about being caught. Like he, after being caught by the government, basically, like the government's most elite force, he was like, I am just going to fucking murder you and everyone you love. And it's like, yeah. God damn. And then, and then after that, you know, when he, you know, he like uh, scares him or like tortures him by opening the plane door. Right. When he goes, oh, your name's Ethan. You're just like, I was like, oh, no. Because I was like, oh, fucking Luther. Son Not of even a bitch. his last name. <laughs> right. It was, it was over, bro. He literally says, Ethan. And I'm like, oh, it's curtains for you, bro. Shit's going south. Like, <laughs> um, I, yeah, three's great. Um, I remember I saw that one in theaters. That was the first one I saw in theaters. Okay. I think back in 2006. And I, I, I mean, I don't know why I remember this, but I remember I, remember I went with our friend Sean. We both okay. saw it in theaters. Yep. And I remember coming out of it really digging it. I, I thought the ending was a little bit, like, sort of, not disappointing, but after, you know, the sequence at the Vatican, the sequence on the bridge, which I love and I'll talk about in a little bit, I thought it was a little bit underwhelming. You know, just him running in China and then, like, you know, the truck hit and, like, I was like, all right, okay, it was a little anticlimactic. Yeah, plus, um, one of my problems is that, like, so the thing, the spoiler alert from a movie from 15 years ago... Like, the charge in his, in his head about to explode, right? Yeah. yeah. He's, like, barely, like, the he's barely able to, like, get his shit together. Mm-hmm. He gives her the gun. He's like, uh, here's the gun. Here's how you use it. He's like, I need you to kill me and then bring me back, right? And I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm okay. Like, it's a little weird, but whatever. So, she shocks him. My problem is that, like, she then hears a guy, like, loads the gun perfectly 
she is behind a wall. She crouches down to use an aluminum-like-sided thing as a reflection. And then just pops around the corner and fucking wastes this dude across the room. And I was like, why... I was under the impression this is the first time she's ever handled a gun. Little did I know she's also an IMF agent. Like, what the <laughs> fuck happened? And for some, I guess I was way off. For some reason, I thought that he defibrillated his head to, to like, no. short-circuit the bomb. I was no. Way, I was okay. way off. <laughs> <laughs> now, all right, off. hold on. If that would have happened, I'd have felt much different about this movie. Like, if he uh, rubbed the shit together and just stuck them both on his forehead. He's like, I short-circuited I'm back, baby. I was like, whoa, shit. Nah, he pulls, like, a, a, he rips a cable out of the wall and then goes up to, like, the circuit breaker and is holding the end of the cable in water with his hands. And she flips the breaker and it shocks him and, like, knocks him out because it's too much. Um, which is, like, you know, whatever. I, I get it. I, like, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. But it was just like, why did she suddenly, like... She legit is, like, using reflections to, like, calculate where the guy's at. And she just fucking rounds the corner and just fucking unloads on him. And then reloads the gun perfectly. Like, Mm -hmm. what the fuck? And then kills the other guy. I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. uh, That stretches a little bit of credulity. I was like, eh. But that's what I mean. Is that that those, like, little, just, that's what makes it, like, not, like, one of my top favorite ones. Right. Um, I do love... Like I said, the sequence on the bridge where yes. the corrupt agents break Philip Seymour Hoffman out of like the the Brinks truck SWAT van thing. Yeah, um, so many great shots, and he's like jumping around, jumping over like the the Gulf and stuff, and like yeah, he like flying. slides, he slides yes, under yeah. the car and is like trying to get the the gun out. Mm-hmm. I love the shot of him running away from something, and he's running toward the screen. And you just hear the the predator drone come and he just shoots a bomb and like it blows up behind him and like sends him flying into the yeah. side of the car. That's, that's such a good shot. Um, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, mm-hmm. that um, one's that whole bridge scene's amazing. Yeah. I think my favorite one though, and well, I guess it's not my favorite, but it just reminded me of it when you mentioned it because I I was trying to think of the different ones and you named it. But when he has to break into the building to get the rabbit's foot. So, first of all, he just, they swing him, right? They're like, he's like, I don't have time to come up with an actual plan. So, we're just fucking winging it. And so, he, he they wing it, right? And he's like, mm-hmm. they're sitting outside waiting to pick him up. And it, the plan is, he's supposed to get to the roof and parachute off. And, like, they're just sitting there, like, watching the timer. They're like, fuck, he should be, he's running behind what's going on. They don't hear him at all. And then, all of a sudden, you hear Ethan, he's like, I got the rabbit's foot. And they're like, okay. And he's like, I can't get to the roof. And they're like, what do you mean you can't get to the roof? And he doesn't even respond. It literally pans over to the building and he just runs out the window. Shatters the window and runs out of like just a high story instead of the roof. And it causes problems because then the parachute doesn't have time to open or whatever. But it was just like the timing of it because everything's so still. And so he's just like, I can't get to the roof. And they like, what do you mean you can't get to the roof? You're expecting, like, another response. Like, even if it's, like, there's too many guys here. Like, I, I just can't, you know what I mean? Or, like, it's blocked off. They've locked it down. Whatever. You're expecting something. But instead, it literally, you just see him, like, fly out the window. Like, and you're like, oh, shit. So, I think this movie does a great job of, like, keeping you on your toes. You know what I mean? Like, while operating these high scenarios over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- Definitely, definitely, and and this is where we start to go. It starts to it starts the course of setting into what it becomes. I still, I think, still to this day, I think uh, either JJ or Brian Burke, his his like producing partner, they still produce or they still have like 
some semblance of influence uh, okay. in it. So I think this is where it starts. Mm-hmm. This is where it starts to settle into what it becomes. Not yet, but this is where it starts. And <clears throat> in the next one, so my personal rankings. Mm-hmm. There have been six, and I probably probably go six, six, four, five, three, one, two. Because mm. so, I saw Ghost Protocol, and I remember thinking it was really good. I don't yes. remember like anything about it. I just know I saw that one. Mm-hmm. That one was great, and that one was really good. And but you I have love it third. Yeah, that one is. No, that one's no that, that one's two. I, I got Ghost Protocol two. I thought you said six four five three. Is is six. Ghost Protocol four? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, I thought yeah. Rogue Nation was four. No, no, uh, Rogue Nation's five. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. All right, mm-hmm. so Ghost Protocol is second then. Okay, yeah. and that now love... is he six? Yeah, some people love Rogue Nation. I I, I really enjoy. It. I I think I I, I think it's uh, there's some some really good sequences. I it's another one where the ending I wish was a little bit bigger, which okay. it's not. It's six is big, big. The ending is big. So, um, but that's just like a personal preference thing. Um. Shit, but yeah, dude, I'm excited. Yeah, when you re- yeah when you rewatch Ghost Protocol, let me know. I love that one. I love all the sequences in that one. Um, but yeah, I, it's it's not a spoiler to say that they never brought back Maggie Maggie Q. Um, she was the Asian female part of the team in Vatican in the Vatican. Oh, okay, um, yeah. They they don't ever bring her back, which is kind of sucks. Cause I think she is a great she would yeah. make a great contribution. Um, nowadays it's Rebecca Ferguson. That's kind of like the the pretty much the co-lead along with tom cruise um and she's great but yeah i I wish they would have brought back maggie q at least once for one of the other ones but yeah look uh, yeah i'm I'm glad you're you're sticking to it and you're not you didn't give up after two Um, you really liked three yeah yeah and so after we watched three i turned to kill and i was like see i told you and she was like that was actually really good like i had to i had to be like look uh, like i know i got you to watch two but yeah this is my redemption (laughs) yeah the i did i did i didn't think though though we that needle drop, I was like, eh, it's a little. Yeah, it's a, it's a little much. Also, but, uh, again, Mission Impossible 3, I sent it to you right before we started this. Mm-hmm. When he's breaking into the Vatican, he oh, uses yeah. his gadget to get on top of the wall that surrounds the Vatican. He gets on top. He's on his back. He turns and looks directly at the camera. And with no context, no nothing, just goes... Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall, and I was like, "Get the fuck out of here, bro! What are you talking about? This is Jawu." Because that's not him, right? Yeah, that's not really like him. That's not. Yeah, he's never making like wisecracks, right? Yeah. Why? Why did this happen? (laughs) He doesn't make wisecracks in future ones, right? He and um, it's not. This isn't a spoiler. It's not a spoiler to say that by the time you get around six, he is the same. The the same thing that makes him endearing and makes him better than James Bond or Jameson Bourne or any of those guys is the same quality that makes uh, Chris Evans' Steve Rogers appealing to people. Um, and I, I, I do want to go into it, but I'd rather save it for when you watch okay. 5 and 6. Because yeah. I, I, I think there there's a certain warmth and in, in, in sort of... Um, protectiveness that he has over the team that I think eventually does settle in. Yeah. That I think for, for nothing else, like I literally was about to say, like it's probably just based on even what little bit I know of the character now, it's probably the same um thing that the best way I can describe it is Steve Rogers saying like we don't trade lives. Like like it's mm-hmm. that level of like no, like we will figure it out. Like we you know what I mean? Am I right? Like it's that same yeah. kind of warmth and like you said, protection, I guess that like really makes him super endearing. 
So, mm-hmm. um, yep. yeah, that's kind of... The moment you said it, for some reason, I was like, he seems... Like, you said Steve Rogers, like, that That seems like the line that fits to me. He's like, like, no, we're going to... We are a team. We work as a team. We don't let anybody... No soldier left behind. Like, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm super excited for the other ones. Although, you did bring up James Bond. Um, mm-hmm. The... So, actually, before that, you said you... So you think Ethan Hunt as a character is you prefer him over James Bond or over yes. Jason Bourne and all of yes. his it, contemporaries? Just yeah, just because I, I think he seems well. I guess what one you know, there's more movies with him, and 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 even though Daniel Craig, I think the the, the singularness, I guess, is the word of the vision of what the character is is much more consistent throughout his last four or five movies than I think it was for the Craig ones in the last three or four, right? Because it kind of goes up and down. Because we talked about it, like, shitty, bad, shitty, good, bad, shitty, you know what I'm saying? Um, But yeah, I think he's he eventually becomes... um, I'd I'd rather save it, because I think there's some really great scenes that I think that are pretty much, not monologues, but are pretty much like descriptions of the character that I think I'd want to save for after when you watch gotcha. ones like Fallout and Rogue Nation. Okay, uh, one thing. Uh, mm. the Ripping the face off, I don't know how, how long they go with this. Like, the masks, like the mm. super realistic masks. Mm-hmm. The weirdest thing is that, like, they're the fakest looking... Like, the moment he goes to peel it off, like, as he's peeling it off, like, the mm. way it stretches in his hand, like... It was it never really Scooby Doo shit, yeah, right? Like, and yeah, so it looks like, like Scooby Doo mask. And it's like I, it's terrible, but like I've bought in. Like the yeah. first time it happened, I was like, eh? and then like it, since then, I was like, never mind, fuck it, bro, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, the scene, the sequence is so good in the Vatican. Last last thing where oh, yeah. he puts on the the Hoffman mask and he's getting him to read the shit so that they can get the voice. Yeah, and his his um. His bodyguard comes in and he's like, <coughs> yeah, <coughs> and he's like ninety eight percent, ninety nine, and then he says like wait, and he says it like in Tom Cruise's voice, and then it becomes Hoffman's voice. Yeah, very quick, yeah. like it, like mm-hmm. the very beginning of the first word, like it's like Tom Cruise into the Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, um, yeah, and then also when they're putting the mask on him. You mentioned this, mm-hmm. like yeah. the guy swings in front of the camera, and you're like, "Oh, that's the switch where it, like yeah. is no longer the mask, and it's actually Philip Seymour Hoffman acting." Yeah. But mm-hmm. it's not, and it's then not. They, like yeah. they like put the eyebrows on, and like the weird thing is, is like, I, I, my guess is it's just some little trick they do with the hands putting the eyebrows on, but yeah. like they're putting the eyebrows on, and it's still the mask. Like you can see through like, the like, hands, through like, the hands, yeah, through the yep. opening that it's still a mask. And then at some point, it's just him. And I'm like, yeah. I missed it. <laughs> like, Because like, here's the deal. Uh-huh. It's like, I, you can't help but in that moment, like, you're almost taken out of the movie, right? Like, you, there's, because, like, the, every other time the mask is on, it's been on. You know what I mean? And then he rips it yeah. off. You're seeing the mask put on for the first time. And for me, I was like, so how are they going to make this look real? And like you said, I saw the guy swing in front of it, and I was like, they're going to do it now. And yep, they didn't. Yep, yep. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, fuck, when, if it's not then, then when is it? And then by the time, I, looked, I was like, fuck, it happened. Like, yeah. like where when did, did it happen? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So when that think... was like masterful, in my opinion. Yes. That's like top level. That shit was perfect. Yeah, yeah. What I think happened probably was they probably did do the switch when he, when it was his back, but then they like 
CGI like the mask being on just to, so that they could be like boom like you didn't even notice right uh, or, but of course a, sh- a, a lesser one a lesser director would have probably been like we'll save money it doesn't matter just do like the switch when it happens it'll be Tom Cruise one shot we'll cut we'll put him on the other side and then he'll just be like touching his forehead or something right right and then but, the other thing too it could have been because I've seen this through all those quarter crew videos where they talk about it it could have been that at some point when they sw- like swing their arm over to put the eyebrow on they'll like separate it into two shots and they're basically just stitching them together at the guy's hand and then as the guy's hand comes back down it might just literally like yeah like everything to the left of that arm is the new shot and everything to the right's old and then as the arm comes down it just like is all new shot now with like yes. Phil more Hoffman. I'm not sure. How, like I said, I really don't know. Like I completely missed it. And I was like, fuck, I was actually looking for it. And I still missed it. So Yeah, there is a shot in uh, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire uh, where Voldemort is being born. Mm-hmm. And I, have you ever, have you watched them? I have not. So there's a scene where he's he he's like a little like a little goo. He comes out like a, out of like a pretty much like a witch's cauldron kind mm-hmm. of. And he like f- starts to form. But then there's like a shot where it's like his head is super skinny and he looks like Majin Buu. And then his arm goes in front. And then on the other side, it's clearly Ray Fiennes. Mm-hmm. And it's what you're talking about. Here, let me see if I can find it. I just looked up the, the scene. I'm about to send it to you. Okay. Um, it's at 308. So okay. when you pull it up, uh, let me know. It's right at 308. But it's what you're saying. Like when he moves his hand in front, like it doesn't have to be a cut, right? It doesn't have to be a different it's shot. Like a wipe, it literally be I think in the same one. It. Yeah. It's like a wipe behind the screen, but it makes it easier rather than having like some sort of weird morphing thing. Right. Um, and I think it looks so good. Cause right before that shot, his head's like all like tiny and scrawny. And then when he moves his arm, it's like Ray finds, I mean, his nose is CGI, but it look it's like his actual head head. Did you say what, what was the timestamp on that? You said uh, 308, 308. Oh, okay. Hold on. Yeah, I just saw him start to pull his hand across. So he's... Okay, that's what you're saying. Oh, yeah. See, that's... Yeah, that's yeah. perfect. That does look yes. good. Because his head is all scrawny, and he's, like, he's coming to... It's, like, Maj, it, not Majin Buu. Yeah, like, Majin Buu, like, growing out of, like, a thing. Yeah. And it's just, like... And then on the other side, it's like that. So but that's probably what they did. I'm probably... I'm going to go comment on the corridor crew guys. Be like, do this one. Do Mission Impossible. <laughs> yeah, I literally this. was thinking that. I was like, do, do this one. Um... <laughs> But yeah, good, so good. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm excited solid. for you to watch four, and uh, yeah, let me know when. Well, you rewatch it, but let me know yeah. when you rewatch it. Lastly, we talk uh, the theme, right? Mm-hmm. Mission Impossible theme or James Bond theme? Because it popped into my head what like after I watch this. Oh, and to me, the answer is like Mission Impossible. There's something about it, like it's so over the top. Like I'm trying to think of how to explain this. That same sound could be in, like, an 80s movie. But, like, mm-hmm. for some reason, it just fucking works. It's such a banger. I, the James I, Bond I, one is so, like... I like it, but it's much more, like, low-key. Yeah. So when they sprinkle the Mission Impossible one in as, like... They're fucking driving down the street and cars are crashing into them. I'm like, oh, we're in. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I I can't pick one. I, I just I really can't because I think both of them, but especially recent ones, they do a great job of incorporating the original theme into like a more like full orchestral sound. Um, right. So like um um like um what's the movie? There's like a movie that's that's doing. It. Oh, um the new mission not mission the new spider-man movies you know, oh they do, right they, yeah they incorporate the um spider-man spider-man yeah you know right so it's it's like that yep 
And and the one thing it's funny because you put like when modern composers mix in that OG theme mm-hmm. is like a thumbs up. The yeah. thing is, is like it's I don't think it's so much of an issue now, just because I think tastes have kind of refined a little bit. But like I saw that and I was like, but it can make your shit sound super dated because and I think Mission Impossible too. There's like a hard rock version, and I'm just yes, like, it's, I think it's Limp Bizkit. I think Limp Bizkit does and it. I was just like. The face I've made. I'm making a face right now. There's no way for you to see it. But, like, I was not happy with it. Like, I... I, I, I it was weird because I was like, I guess. Like, like at the time, this was probably popular. But, like, right yeah. now, I'm not happy that you've done this. <laughs> yeah. I, I think... Well, it, it, it's kind of one of those things. Like, I think in the moment, it sounds, uh, like, not cheesy. But it... Or it, no, it, it sounds good in the moment. Kind of like... um kind of like i've said before that i think i love terminator 2 mm-hmm. but i think literally the only thing that dates it is the music and i'm sure when they were doing the music you know james cameron wasn't like wow this is gonna sound shit like shit in two, 20 years it's just the way it is like there's right. like, it's like this ding 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 yeah i'm sure ding, people ding, at the ding, time were like fuck it bro lit biscuit mission impossible i'm in there like you know what i mean like it probably sounded great because that's kind of what the taste of the time was but that one did not age well. I, I think you have the benefit now where like people are using like orchestras and doing like orchestral music. I feel like that just kind of sticks, you know what I mean? But yeah. like I, there was a there was a small, you know, moment in time where like I think people were making like rock versions of everything and I was like, mm, yeah. I don't think this is doing it for me. <laughs> so, that's that. Um <laughs> we went on a Mission Impossible for a hot minute. Do you want to talk about the last duel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll uh, squeeze it in real quick. So the ne- the other movie I saw, the one that I mentioned earlier about it being very, very or expensive looking, mm-hmm. um, is uh, the Last Duel by Ridley mm-hmm. Scott and Adam with Adam Driver and, and Matt Damon and, and Ben Affleck and Jodie Comer. Um, so just general thoughts. I think this movie it takes place in the 1300 in the 14th century, mm-hmm. and it looks like dude, like it's only co- it, I mean you know, only it costs 100 million dollars, but it looks so expensive, right? You have these like, crowds and like castles, and you know the, the titular duel, which is you know it's not a huge battle, but um, you know it's two guys on a horse, and then like you know they get into the duel and it's like to the death. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody's great in it. I think. Jodie Comer is especially awesome in it. She's really, really good. Um, I will say, early on, the movie starts, and there's like a like an open field battle, you know, mm-hmm. like a like a medieval battle, and so it starts, and like immediately after the scene ended, I was like, that felt so refreshing. It felt so nice because I was telling my friend Andy, who you know was one of the people that went with us to see it, I was like, dude, like they. I used to grow. I grew up watching those, right? Like Gladiator, Troy, right. Lord of the Rings, even the shitty King Arthur movie. They all had like these scenes where it's like you're in battle and you just hear psh, psh, like the, the you hear like the swords clanking and motherfuckers. You hear the squish of people getting stabbed and stuff, right? Right. Um, and they, they there hasn't been one of those in like ten years, maybe. <laughs> right. Uh, a Kingdom of Heaven. That was like another one about the Crusades. That was one that was like that. Um, Braveheart. So, like, I was telling him, I was like, dude, whenever they were fighting and, like, stabbing each other, I was like, dude, this is awesome. Where has <laughs> this been? Um, the movies, I, this is like Dune, where it's like another two and a half hours, but this one does move a little bit of, at a faster clip. Okay. Um, and the movie does this great thing where the, so the, 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 the general crux of the story, right? The reason that there is the titular last duel mm-hmm. is because, um, Matt Damon 
and Adam Driver play like these like uh, squires or knights or sirs, knights of like the French kingdom. Okay. And Matt Day and they they have like this like friendship like frenemy that friends thing going on. And Matt Damon gets married to Jodie Comer, and then one day when he's out, like, in Paris or, like, in, at war or something, Adam Driver goes to his house and sexually assaults his wife, Jodie Comer. Damn. And so the story, and so Matt Damon's like, you, you know, defiled my property. Oh, fuck. And I will fight you to the death in the last duel or whatever. Right. And so the story isn't just like it happened, like it doesn't play out all the way. What it does is it's split up into three chapters. Okay. The first chapter is kind of everything up until the duel from Matt Damon's perspective. And then okay. second is Adam Driver's perspective, who he's the rapist. And then Jodie Comer, who's the victim. Okay. And so what's interesting is that you see, you know, it's kind of like a Groundhog's Day thing where you like see the same things a couple right. of times, three times. But every time it's a little different mm-hmm. and just enough that you go, oh, okay. Okay. Oh, okay. That makes sense. That and, and the changes also are different. And it, it it sort of goes. The movie tells you pretty much pretty heavily which one's the truth, which is you know the woman's like she told the truth. And it her, what, what you're seeing when you see hers, it's like kind of like how it happened. Right. But little things that make it interesting or that that keep it fresh are things like, um, for example, when Matt Damon, when it's his story that's being played, she tells him, you know, he came here and he raped me, and then he like grabs her shoulders and he goes, "Are you telling the truth, honey?" And she goes, yes, I would not lie. And he goes, okay, then I will take up your word and we will fight with honor. Something like that. Right. And then when it shows hers, he's like, he raped me. And he's like, are you telling the truth? And she's like, yes. And he like grabs her by the neck and he's like, are you telling the truth? If you lie on me, I will end you right now. Or something like that. Right. Right. And I just thought that that was so interesting um, because it, it sort of, not that, you know, you need sides to something as horrific as sexual assault, but just because... It is interesting to see a story told from different perspectives right. and just how everybody has their own way of looking at things. Not necessarily that it's, you know, this act itself is like, we need to see both sides, but it's more like yeah. it's pretty movies. The movie's pretty clear about which one is the one that happened. Um, but just seeing the different angles, you go, oh, OK, people tell themselves these stories because they want to say that they are like the heroes of their story. Right. Everybody's say, the well, hero it's of justified. their own story. Right, exactly. And the titular duel is fucking awesome, dude. Uh, okay. It is so good. Um, like, I was, like, you know, sort of sitting up and, like, my hands, I was, like, sort of doing, like, the fingers between your hands kind of thing yeah. and, like, grabbing your arms and, like, oh, shit, like, sort of, like, cracking your knuckles kind of thing, like, anxious thing. And I look over at my friend Andy, and he's, like, his hands are, like, in between his legs, like, sort of, like, lean forward a little bit during the final thing. Right. Um, because I think the movie does a great job of, of definitely setting up a world where either one of them could win. So right. you're not, like, you know, it's not like, well, you know, this guy's definitely going to win because the movie's sort of leaning that way. Right. It's sort of like anything can happen in this world or this world of the story. Right. So. Kaylin really um, wanted to watch this. So, I like, it, I saw you put this on there, and I was like, yeah. I might go watch that in a theater. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um. It, Mm. I think if you had to ask me, like, which one do I watch? Or, like, which one should I go see? Oh, I don't know. The, I don't other know. Thing, what... the other thing to take into account, right, is that, like, I really didn't have any interest in Dune. Kalen mm-hmm. definitely doesn't. Kalen has an interest in this, so I'm, like, kind of leaning towards mm. this just because, like, yeah. if she's already interested, I feel like this will be an easier sell. <laughs> yeah, probably this one. Um, Just because... It, it's not been doing well at the box office. Like, Dune is doing okay, and they already announced a sequel. Yeah. But I think this is the kind of movie that, 
I think will go the way of the dinosaur, just like the studio comedy has. You know right. how we were talking about, you know, they don't make those kind of comedies anymore, right? Like, like, yeah, like Anchor Anchorman and Step Brothers and all those. I think this will be another casualty, a big hundred million dollar drama for, you know, adults. Like it, it's there's action in it. It's not an action movie, right? Um, but if people people always bitch like there's nothing good in theaters, there's nothing good. They don't, you know, it's all it is is superhero movies. But then when they actually put shit like this, nobody shows up, right? right? So, I will say I feel like the advertising for this has been terrible. Because like, yes, the only yes, thing, absolutely. the only reason I knew this movie existed was because Caleb was like, "You should watch the trailer," and I didn't watch the trailer yet. And like, there are trailers for movies I don't give a shit about that I've watched just because they're fucking around. This shit's like mm-hmm. fucking ghost town. Like nobody knows that shit even exists. <laughs> yes, yes, it is absolute like marketing malpractice what they did i mean well then the reason well, i didn't even know it was matt quick... damon i knew adam drivers and i didn't even know matt damon was in it. and he's he and he's good uh, and and early on you're like why is he playing him like this and then by the time you get to the third story you're like oh okay i get it but yeah. the the when disney brought bought 20th century fox and they you know they like started to do their their movies they just sort of they've dumped all of the movies that they had over the last two months and need, none of them have been any like good financially right um so it's a shame. Um, and then another thing is that, so my theater has 20 screens here at the one in Cary. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have 18 of them are the like reclinable, reservable seat ones. Yeah. And then the last two are just like general admission. Just buy tickets, show up or sit wherever. Right. And so when I went to buy the tickets for this one, for gen- for you know for the last duel, they were like, all right, thanks. And I was like, wait, I didn't get to pick my seat? And they're like, no, it's general admission. And I was like, oh, no. Because <laughs> the reason they put them in those are movies that are pretty much like, we just have to play them contractually, but we don't want them anywhere near like important shit. Like we right. just dump them into those screens, pretty much. Yeah. And literally, I, I've been to that to those theater rooms a couple times in the last few years since I've been going to this theater, and every single time it's me and like three other people in there. Yeah. So you know, I would say yeah, you know, vote with your wallet, support this, so that we can get other movies like this. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, dude, just like I said, watching it and watching like a Swords and Sandals and like motherfuckers, like and not just that, great performances, good stories. Ben Affleck actually being really, really good and probably getting a Best Supporting Actor nomination. Jodie Comer probably getting you a said, Best you said Actress. Ben Affleck? Ben Affleck, dude. Ben Affleck is so I didn't even good. know he was in it, bro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, so he's in it. It's directed by Ridley Scott. He did Gladiator. Adam Driver's great. Even, you know, he's in Ridley Scott did Alien, didn't he? Yeah, he did Alien, Gladiator, okay. um, a bunch of other shit, and so and he's like eighty four, and he has he this came out this month, and then next month he has that House of Gucci movie with Lady oh, Gaga. Yeah. So he has like two movies coming out within a month of each other, and he's like eighty four years old. Yeah, that man was fucking like. There's no way. At the end of it, he was like, "Oh fuck it!" Like he, the man just crumpled into fucking whatever chair, couch, bed he was gonna sleep in like every night. Like, yeah. Oh, God. And then you end, but then you watch like the the like I said the last the, the the actual last duel, and you're like, dude, this motherfucker is firing on all cylinders. This motherfucker like, this, don't miss. <laughs> you don't miss, dude. These action scenes, they're like, I mean, it it was almost like almost too short. Where I was like, dude, I, they could have they should have figured out another way to have like another three or four minutes of this because it is shot so well, and you can, and it is brutal, and it is like it just it, I can see what everything's going on. Remember I was talking about Snake Eyes being yeah. just like an incomprehensible mess. You can see what's going on, but it's still like visceral and gritty. Um, it's fantastic. Um, and, and this is another one that I gave a four and a, four and a half out of five. So oh, okay. I would say, like, if you guys are gonna go see a movie, 
I know you said I said Dune, but this is another one that also needs people's support. And I know, you know, it probably won't make that much money here now, but the fact that it did, I mean, this is a kind of movie that like, you know, 20, 15, 20 years ago opened to like 30 or 40 mil and, and legs it to 150. Now it's, you know, barely getting by with like eight, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so yeah, yeah, let me know if you check it out. I, I totally wholeheartedly recommend it. Um, it's, it's pretty great. All right. Yeah. I'll let you know for sure. Um, yeah. the last thing we'll touch on super briefly is the uncharted trailer that dropped. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I saw that trailer. So here's the deal. Um, the casting was, was threw me off the first time I saw it and you know, like I was just like, I don't know. Like it's, it's a video game movie. Uncharted is not like Uncharted is like a generic kind of game, I guess. Like even as good as it is, like I don't think there's things, especially story wise, like to take place in a movie. It's just like okay, like it kind of just falls into another movie to me. Is like when you look at it from that perspective. Mm-hmm. But I saw the trailer, and mm-hmm. it's fucking hooked me. I'm in. I'm all in on this fucking movie. This movie's gonna be good. I hope. <laughs> I am too. I, I I um I forget who it was. I think it was like Scott Mendelson on Twitter was saying he's like maybe I'm getting old, but this just looks like a nice solid action movie where like if you know what Uncharted is, you'll get like the names and like the, there's like a uh, even a sequence right the plane sequence yeah. that the trailer ends on um is from three and you like go like oh, oh okay all right or like names or like locations or even right. like little jokes from the movie, but you don't. I think it's so interesting because this is a movie where you could be like, it's about a, um, a treasure hunter. You'd be like, oh, it's, it's Uncharted, right? But I think you could easily... I, I think I think Uncharted, while known by people, the general public probably doesn't know them, for know sure. it like they know like Tomb Raider, right? right so if you're Tomb sure. Raider, you hear, you hear oh, a skank, a, I know it's not the truth, but it's like... They just think about the boxy boobs from the early 2000s right. running around in short shorts, like shooting guns, right? Yeah. So I think if you're a fan of the movie, you go, Uncharted movie. Okay, looks good. Action looks good. If you're just a rando, you go, ooh, a treasure hunter movie. Looks good. I like Tom Holland. Yeah. Mark Wahlberg. What's that to like? Right. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I feel much better about this movie after watching the trailer. Um, yeah. The, the, the I, I put in the in the Google Doc that the casting is still a little funky to me just because yeah. it's like I, I don't know it, it's weird. So all right, without looking it up, I, yeah. How old is Tom Holland? Hmm, I'd say like like twenty three, twenty four. He's twenty five. Okay, all right. So he's twenty five. The problem is he looks. 17, right? Right. Which works for Spider-Man. But... And that's the other problem, is they doubled down on it. Like, and, and I guess, like, it's not his fault, I guess, is how I would describe it. Like, I mean, I guess he yeah. chose to play Spider-Man. And... But, like, Spider-Man's also 17. So now he, and Nathan Drake, I mean, I don't know Nathan Drake's age in the first movie. But, like, if you'd have told me we hired a 25-year-old to play Nathan Drake, I'd have been like, okay. But then you chose... Nathan Drake Origins, yeah. Then you chose, like, the Nathan Drake... Or you chose the only 25-year-old actor who's <laughs> made his budget off of looking 17. Like, <laughs> I, I, I think... 
I think it's so interesting that, I mean, Marvel knocked it out of the park and hit it perfectly with him and Zendaya. Right. Because I think both of them look like children or like yeah. young teens. And they're not. And they, But then when you see them, even in something like Dune or there was like a movie called Malcolm and Marie where she was in right. last year where people were, there was like a little bit of buzz about how she is like, plays like this grown ass woman. And then you see her and she looks the way she looks, but then people are like, well, you know, you shouldn't shame her because she looks like, you know, young or whatever. Right. And I feel like the same way with this, where it's with, with Tom Holland, where it's like, you, you know, Marvel, perfect, perfect job. You mm-hmm. did it perfectly. You cast people who look like children. Awesome. Right. But then when they try to be in other <laughs> movies, you're like, what is this child doing holding a gun and jumping out of a plane? Right. It'd be one thing if we just knew him as the young looking actor, but he just played normal roles, right? Like, I guess. Right, I, like I, Michael J. Fox. Yeah, but like, he's a young-looking actor who nails his most famous acting job because he looks young. And it's, it's, like, <laughs> well, it's, like, it's like, well, wait, no, I thought we were trying to act like he's 17 still. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah. Well, he's and you just you know you're saying you know, he's just 25. It's crazy that he's already been Spider-Man one, two, three, four, five times, and he he's been Spider-Man five times. And he's younger than Toby and Andrew were on their first Spider-Man. What? I didn't know that. Yeah, they were both 26 when they oh, were Spider-Man on okay. the first one. So yeah, so I mean, like, and so it's just a weird thing because, like, on the face of it, like it in a vacuum, I guess doesn't like. I don't see like it shouldn't have been a problem, right? Like getting him to play Nathan Drake doesn't seem like a problem until you bring in all the context of the reason people know him is because he looks yeah. 17 playing a 17 year old. Like, right, right. So, and, but I actually did feel a little better when I saw him in the trailer. He, they, yeah. they did a decent job of like, I don't know what you call it, but like, he just didn't look quite so boyish. Right. Yeah. But they also didn't put like a fake beard on him. Like. <laughs> right. 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 And I, I think, and, and, you know, speaking of, of facial hair, I think Mark Wahlberg, I, I'm surprised that they didn't, um, you know, give him a mustache like right. Sully has, or maybe, you know, this is like the origin, right? Maybe they want to have a franchise and maybe at the end of this one, he'll show up and be like, well, kid, we found the treasure. And he's like, Oh, what do you have a mustache? He's like, oh, I don't know. Do you think it looks good on me? He's like, I don't know. I might keep it credits yeah. roll right um so maybe that's why maybe right? um i think but, it'll work I, I like at the end of the day i feel a little better about it because i can like kind of believe it a little bit whereas like yes just reading the casting like, huh <laughs> yeah they were like yeah fucking nathan drake played by uh tom holland i was like who um and and have we talked before about like you know Video game movies not being very good. I think you know. I don't what know would if you we say have, like, but they're not very good. They're not, and I can't even think of what I would say would be the best one. Probably Tomb Raider. <laughs> Tomb Raider, yeah. the Alicia Vikander one, but that one needed a little bit more magic to it. I see. I can't even tell you, dude. Like, right? Because there's not even one that's like that's one. That's like the definitive one, right? Right. Um, there was but... one I was gonna say earlier. That was like also bad, and like I, yeah. I can't remember even now. Like I remember thinking there was one that was just horrendously bad. Yeah, but like not like horrendously bad the way like I don't know the Mario movie, the the old right. one was. Like it, it was like no, nah, yeah. this thing tried and it just failed horribly. Um, yeah, I can't. Really I really remember. thought. Well, well, I was gonna say I was like I really thought that the um, 
the uh, fuck, what is it called? Warcraft movie that was going to be good, just because how expensive it was. Oh yeah, that's a good one because I don't think yeah. it was very good, right? No, no, and and oh, to this day, one of those like, man, what could have been? I mean, and there's hundreds and hundreds and dozens of of these of like where a movie just falls apart because somebody leaves, whether it's you know Carrie Joji Fukunaga's it with Will Poulter right. or you know whatever. Um, but one of them is Gore Verbinski, the guy who did the Pirates 1, 2, and 3, I think like around like 2010 or 2011. He was this close, this close to making a Bioshock movie. I was about to say, uh, I thought there was supposed R. to be a Bioshock movie. Yeah, rated R, $160 million Bioshock movie. This close, dude. Like literally, like he, I think he even had a script. He had like everything locked down. He was this fucking close. And then at the last second, they pulled the plug because they were afraid of doing an R-rated movie at that budget. He should have gone to Warner Brothers because they, you know, they'll fucking give 170 to James Gunn to do a Splatterfest Suicide Squad and then 160 to film an unfilmable movie to Denny Villeneuve. So maybe he should have gone to them. But, dude, he was this close You know what would have been an amazing scene in a movie is the fucking bashing his fucking head with the golf club. That shit would have been fucking Uh, intense. That had been like driving the elevator level, like, just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like, imagine, yeah, like, the guy who made The Ring and then the action in Pirates of the Caribbean 1 and 2 give you Bioshock and Underworld Nightmare. Like, you just imagine the first Big Daddy scene where you just hear, like, dum, and the fucking Or the very first shakes. scene in the in the game where you come down the elevator and it's, like, pitch oh, black yes. and the thing, like, yes. just kind of wanders through the darkness at you. Yeah. Woo! yeah. That shit would have yeah. been perfect. Um, yeah. And I, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon because I feel like, you know, it's Bioshock is kind of come and gone from the zeitgeist but that was so close that would have been so good mm-hmm. um and i think i've said here before that i think the best movies that are sci- that are video game movies are even are ones that are not even like based on anything they're just movies that are video game like adjacent right like uh free guy uh, earlier a couple months ago yeah. i think free guy is better than literally any film adaptation of a video game i literally <laughs> cannot think of a single one that i would say well you know it's, it's almost as good as free guy any of them, any right. of them put them up against him and free guy is better um hardcore henry did you ever watch or hear about that one it's um who who directed it's like a very low budget movie where it's like all it's all from like first person point of view right like he like looks at it and there's like a guy and you can see his arms and he's like running and he's like shooting and stuff um that one is great um and that one's fucking nuts as well um so Edge of Tomorrow a little bit probably you, yeah I could would you I say? could see that a little kinda. bit I, I've never watched the movie but just based on the little bit I know about it I could see that mm-hmm. but yeah so it's like ones that are adjacent are the best ones so the thing is though is that like I, I mean maybe I'll the same way I was iffy about Uncharted and then saw the trailer and was like no nah, I feel much better about it I'm for whatever reason I'm still like very iffy about The Last of Us like oh yeah oh you're right yes that that's another one that's coming up like, I'm like, i was trying to think i was like there's something coming up it's not uncharted where it's like i'm like maybe this one breaks it but maybe that's what it takes maybe it needs to be a series for it to crack right the, the thing right and maybe it needs to be a series like maybe it's like you know if you draw a circle or you draw a venn diagram or like you know or you put it you put a line like a specter and then on one end it's like mario and then on the other end is like the most like tv movie or most movie you can think of in the middle is maybe something like the last of us which you know veers into cinema so much mm-hmm. that it's the most adaptable yeah the other one i'm worried about and like is there's a metal gear solid movie also in the works 
Um, oh, right, right, right. From the guy who did uh, the Godzilla movie. Is that uh, his name's? Uh, I don't know what other movies he's done, but his name's he's uh, Jordan. His name's uh, Jordan Voight Roberts. Okay, yeah. So he's doing uh, the Metal Gear Solid movie that has cast Oscar Isaac as Snake, I believe. <gasps> That's I had forgotten he was in it's it. It's a pretty fucking solid. So I mean, but or casting, but like, yeah, it's still. I'm just like, it, there is such a bad history of video game movies. And I'm like, I don't know. Oh, Resident Evil movies. Those are just fucking all yeah. over the place. That it just I popped in to... my head of like a game movie. Yeah, and then for... I loved one and two growing up, but then of course, yeah, I was in fourth grade. So and then, oh God, what is it? There was maybe a Silent Hill movie that was terrible. And then now yeah. that I think about it, there was like, <laughs> do you remember? There was an arcade shooter. You know the like ones where you have the gun and the pedal to like crouch up and yeah, down. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, called yeah. House of the Evil Dead or so, or House of. Maybe not. House of the Living Dead? House of the Living Dead, maybe. And they made yeah. a movie, and that was the yeah. biggest shit pile. <laughs> it was like one kind of like Alone in the Dark, and that was a shit movie. It had like Tara Reid. Yeah. So there's just a lot of bad video game movies. So like, the thing is that... You, the weird thing is, is I feel like you can look at the cast... Well, he, actually not Tomb Raider. I But like, I feel like you can look at the castings of Uncharted, the upcoming Solid Snake, or Metal Gear Solid movie... And the upcoming Last of Us movie, because that one has Pedro Pascal, I believe. is mm-hmm. So, like, you can see those castings that are taking it seriously. And I guess what I was saying more about Tomb Raider is, like, casting Angelina Jolie was, like, a pretty, like... We're taking it seriously as a movie. You know what I mean? Like, right. So, I, I seeing the castings, like, like, people are, like, legitimately trying. Whereas I don't know that that was the case before. But, like, I, yeah, I'm just like, still at least now they're like. <laughs> Right, like at least now they're like trying. They're like, no, this right. could be good. Whereas before, I right. feel like they were like, let's just yeah. see what we can do. <laughs> right, like more, like the like the Mortal Kombat now, like at least they're trying more than the Mortal Kombat from the ninth. For right? sure, exactly. Yeah. Um. What's another one? I'm looking at the list here. There's a few of them. Ooh, you know which one was actually surprisingly good, okay. and I rewatched it. I think last year or the year before. Uh, Rampage, the one with the Rock. I never saw it. That one is actually surprisingly solid. Really. Um. Yeah, so he, 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 there was like three or four years in a row when he like made like original or like video game movies, just him. So it was like Skyscraper, Rampage, and San Andreas. And I rewatched San Andreas with Sydney and her family like a week and a half ago. Surprisingly solid. Nice, mm-hmm. an hour, 45 minutes, pretty good action. But Rampage was also pretty good. So I, I think that's probably the one where I would say, go into your head, like, pick the best one that's your favorite, motherfucker. I'd be like, probably Rampage. Well, all right, um, I'm looking at the list. I, Sonic the Hedgehog, I don't know if that was any good. And then Detective Pikachu, I heard, was really good. So, like... That one was solid. But the, that one was solid. But the thing is, is, like, Sonic the Hedgehog, I don't know enough about. Detective Pikachu is not really... I don't know what you call that. Like, it's based off of... Or, like, it uses the Pokemon, like, IP, but it's not, like, based on the game in any real way. Like, you know what I mean? Right, it's, right. it's not like they're out here getting gym badges. At least I don't think they are. Right, um, right. And I think that something like that, I think, is just untenable for a movie, right? Like, I don't I don't know how you would do, you know, an RPG aspect of, like, get this trophy, now get this trophy that's exactly the same, except right. a little bit harder, and then get this other trophy that's the but exact same, if, but just even a little bit harder. But even if, like, it was, it was, I don't know, I feel like you could still do a little bit of that, where, like, uh, there's like he needs to get like he needs to be like two gym battles and then like go to like the head guy who is actually I'm trying to think 
it might be his dad is the last gym boss in the first one. So, like, I feel like you could still, like, piece together a story out of that without it just getting super mm. repetitive. Whereas mm-hmm. this was just like, nah, it's just Pikachu would be just flip the whole fucking thing on its head. You know what I mean? Yeah. There are Pokemon here, and that's the extent. Um, but either way, oh, the Hitman movies have been awful. Uh, so, yeah, video game yeah, movies yep. are just not uh, not looking great. And so, like like I said, even though I can tell they're trying because they're using like, legitimately good actors and, like, you know, it, it seems like they're also not just choosing random actors. They're choosing people that seem like they should fit. Um, so, like, I, I just, I'm excited but nervous, right? Like, I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, but the trailer for Uncharted looked good enough that it like it, it got rid of some of the caution and gave me a little more optimism. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, definitely. um, we'll skip that last topic. Uh, just mm-hmm. just be, uh, just for anyone wondering, uh, we Floyd Mayweather is supporting Kyrie, but like, man, nobody gives a fuck about what Floyd Mayweather thinks. Like, like <laughs> the only the only time I've ever been a super big Floyd Mayweather fan is when he was knocking the shit out of Conor McGregor. Like, that's like the only time I've been like, Floyd Mayweather, and uh, and I truthfully wanted him to murder Jake Paul. Um, but, but you know, that's that's the extent of it. Um, but yeah. So, uh, you know, 50 Cent once told him to read one page of a Harry Potter book. That shit killed me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah. So, uh, anything else you want to add about Uncharted or any of the um, movies nope, you watched? that's it. Yeah, okay, so um, uh, that's the episode. And if you want to catch me, you can catch me at Bags on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm at Evercaster92 on Instagram. If you want to catch the podcast, you can catch us directly at Diff Animals Pod uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Or you can email us, differentanimalspodcast at gmail.com. As usual, stay safe, stay entertained, and we will catch you guys next week. Later. Peace.